my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. You're listening to Studio 22. Welcome to Studio 22. I'm Will Meldman. I'm sitting here with my co-host, Brock O'Hearn. And our guest today is Stephen Malbon, a founder of Malbon Golf, who, according to Vogue magazine, is help making golf gear cool again. Wow. What a thing to hear. Thanks for having me. <laughs> it's official, dude. Thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, we're thrilled to have you. This is going to be fun. Yeah, dude. So uh, tell us about your life, man, and, and golf, what it is to you, man. Uh, my life in golf. So I grew up um, I grew up in Virginia Beach, Virginia, and I played golf after tennis. So I played tennis first. And I grew up, um, so around like 10 to 12, I played tennis. And then I got a job at a golf course when I was 12. And I was um, started to like, um, I think the really, the way I started golfing was I was in charge of the driving range. <clears throat> so you had to pick up the balls in the driving range, but there was like kind of wetland um, if people hit it, hooked it left or sliced it right, it was in like woods. So you couldn't get the little pickup cart or the, the cart in there. Yeah, so you, you had, walk in. Yeah, you had two options. You could use a tube and like pick the balls up like this, or you could just take like a nine iron and hack all the balls out in the middle. So that's pretty much how I figured it out, how to hit the ball, because I would have to do that like pretty much every day at work. And uh-huh. so it was a lot more fun to try to like, hit little stingers out of the woods than it was to use those stupid tubes and then walk over and dump it in a bucket and then carry the bucket. It's like, no, I'm just going to fucking hack them all out into the middle and then go in the cart and pick all the balls up. Make a game out of it. Yep. So that was, um, 
And then I just got obsessed with golf and I started playing with all the other dudes that worked at the the golf shop, the cart barn and the range. And then um, probably like an assistant pro took some interest in me and started helping me with, um, you know, my swing. And But I played tennis first, so I already knew how to hit like approach shots and topspin lobs. And so I knew the difference between like hitting a draw or a slide or a fade based off of just the way you spin the ball and the way the club face hits it. Right. And my, my swing is my golf swing is still, it's kind of like Yvonne Lindell's two handed cross court, um, winner. That makes sense. I don't, I'm not familiar with the Do you play tennis. No, no. So is this dude back in the day? But anyway, if you're a, if you're a left-handed tennis player, and you hit a cross-court winner, very similar to, like, a golf swing. Okay. Wow. If that makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know, you hear a lot about, you know, other athletes, like, you know, even Stephen Curry right now, who's, you know, in the Tiger Woods 2K23 golf game now. Um, you know, baseball players, hockey players, they talk about, like, being able to control the head of the stick or the head of the puck or whatever it is to feel that motion. So that makes tons of sense to me. Yeah. I feel like golf is the ultimate equalizer uh, when it comes to a sport. Um, and I've seen guys from all walks of life. That was what, when I first tried playing, started playing with Will, I was just trying to like hack it, dude, hit it as hard as I could, as far as I could. I had no form, no idea. And he's like, put it in my head that, you know, there's a reason there's 90 year old guys playing golf. You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. a technique sport, you know, it's a mental game more than it is anything else. And, really kind of helped me dial it back in and I still, you know, kind of try to muscle it every now and again, but it's better. We all do. Yeah. Yeah. That's like my, it's the hardest part of golf. I think is like I practice swing at 60% and I try to hit it at 80%, Mm. but sometimes I swing like 140% violent, like a savage for no reason. And it's just, you're going to fight that one forever. And also I I think I started when I was little. So I had to really like make an aggressive move after to try to hit it further. But as yeah. you get older, it's like, how can I swing calm and slow and let the club do what it's supposed to do and hit yeah. it in the middle of the face? And then you get a better result than, than hitting it hard. Especially like when you're working on the track, man, it helps me to like see my club head speed and know that it's high no matter what, because then I can like, I'm not worried in my head about like, am I going to hit it far enough? I can just trust the process and like get in there and really focus on how I'm going to hit it in technique. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, man, try not to hit it as hard as you can every time yeah. is like the great mystery of golf. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, it sounds like I'm gonna be struggling with it my whole life. Nah, dude, dude, the, dude. the tour guys I played with like Harry Higgs and he said he basically takes two extra clubs. So if he wants to, if he could hit a six iron, he'll hit a four iron. So you're like horrified that you're going to hit it over the green and it forces you to like hit it really smooth and calm and not violent. And you don't see the tour guys hit it very like hard. I mean, the driver maybe, but like, why would you hit a hard eight iron if you could just hit a smooth seven? Yeah. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. And then I think too, when you hit it hard, you miss like this wide, but if you're just chipping, you comes into here. So you don't pe- you don't see people like chip the ball into the bunker, but you see people hit three woods into the bunker, right? Or right. five irons, or what have you, because it's it's such a 
it goes so much further. So <clears throat> if you take a club or two extra and you just think about like chipping it, yeah, then you're you'll stop missing here and you'll start missing there, and then you'll have birdie putts. That's a big part of my warm up is you just get the sixty out and like start with the chipping motion. You know, stay with the wedges, build up to the pitching, and then slowly get the irons in. By the time I get to like a seven iron, I I got like a full swing. Mm-hmm. But cool, it kind of helps visualize yeah. it. So I could get stuck talking. No, about yeah, that. yeah, man, yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's awesome. for hours talking about golf. Well, hundred percent. It's a good thing though. Dude. Speaking of golf, man, you have one of the coolest companies, uh, Malbon, in golf that I've seen. Thank you. Yeah, man. It's. Uh, I kind of want to know what led you to starting it. Um. <clears throat> So I guess the I stopped golfing when I was 15 because it wasn't like the most cool thing to do or it was cool for me, but it wasn't cool for like everyone else I knew um, except the people who I worked with at the golf course, which were my buddies and they were addicted to golf too. But like everyone else in high school and school, like that wasn't like the cool thing to do golf. So I abandoned it. <clears throat> I abandoned it. Um, when I was 15, and then I ended up going to art school in Atlanta, and I caddied through art school in Atlanta. And um, so then the caddies could play on Mondays for free, and we would play like 36 holes, and we would all gamble. So then all of a sudden I was going to the range like a couple of days a week without them knowing to like practice and figure it, get back into it. So I basically saw that there was a ton of people who play when they're young and there's a lot of initiatives in golf to get young kids to play, but there isn't a ton of initiatives to get them to play from like 15 to 25 or 15 to 30. So it's like a 15 year gap where I, I played when I was from 12 to 15. And then I stopped until I was like, you know, like 20, 21 ish where I started caddying and just being addicted to golf. The next thing you know, I was, like obsessed with it again because i kept having these little money games and we talked shit all week so i had to (laughs) fucking practice and like get back into it and then um i did that for two or three years and then i ended up going to new york city and working and doing like ad agency type of uh hustle in new york and so i abandoned it again until i was 33 so from the time i was 15 to 33 i only really played two years and that's why i was caddying and every other year i just didn't golf it was like not a part of my life. So I started to realize that my kids who golf when they're 15, if something doesn't change, they're going to do the exact same thing I did, which is, Mm. you know, like get over it because no one else is doing it in their, in their, you know, peer group. And, you know, girls aren't dating the golfers. And I don't know that have ever been like top of the list, you know? So it's like any young person would do what I do, what I did. And, um, I just started to realize that, so 33, go fast forward to 33, I started golfing again. We were pregnant with Remington, our second child, so Erica was pregnant, and I was partying too much, and I came home and was like, it was like fucking 10 in the morning or something, and I came home, and she was upset for good reason, and I said, I won't drink again until you have the baby, you know, like we're doing this together, it's the right thing to do, and so... I got out of the doghouse in like 10 seconds. And then I was like, fuck, how am I going to stop going to nightclubs and obsessing with going to nightclubs? Mm. And I had to figure out how you can kind of switch one addiction to another. So I started booking tea times 
as much as I could early, like 7 a.m., different golf courses. And within like a week or two, I was obsessed with golf again. So then I would, I was obsessed with golf. So I started to like put golf on my Instagram. And this is like seven, eight years ago where I was normally only putting pictures of like art and music and fashion and skateboarding and weirdo graffiti shit on there or my kids. And then all of a sudden I'm putting up photos of like Freddie Couples and, you know, the walrus golfing. And and all of my friends were like, you know, no one golfs but you. So like stop putting those photos up there. We don't even know who the fuck the people are. And so I started a new Instagram, which is now Malvin Golf. But that Instagram was started as like a mood board. So I didn't know what it would ever be. I had real no intentions of what it was going to be. I just wanted to put like obscure, weird, cultural golf stuff mixed with traditional, like pure golf. And it just kind of bounced back and forth there as a mood board. And I was thinking one day eventually I could like, you know, get a free tea time at like Angeles National or if I had enough followers, something could come out of it somehow. And um, it started to, I started to realize quickly that there were a lot of other people who were interested in like a little bit golf, just a bit different than how like maybe your dad or grandfather did it, you know? Mm. So it's kind of pushing it and trying to, um, trying to attract new people and, and people who may think it was kind of like corny or, or not the move. And instead of um, pushing them away, like showing that it is actually really fun and, and there's, there's parts of it that are super cool. And at the same time, trying to take like the thought of like the older people who have kind of the old guard that are like protective of golf and the traditions and how, you know, you can't wear your hat backwards or these kind of odd like rules that it's like, Young people aren't as bad as you may think they may be. And then to the young kids, it's like these old people aren't as bad as you think they may be. So that's kind of how it's always been. And I think the main point of it was, like I said, like, how do you stop the 15-year gap from young you know, people golfing and loving it and then being like, fuck this, I'm not doing that shit anymore. And then you wait till you're 33, 35, and you're like obsessed with golf again. So it's, um, that's what happened. Dude, I had a very similar experience too. Cause like, you know, I was playing football and lacrosse in high school and then in college I was really focused on film school, but so I kind of, you know, I kind of grew up golfing and then that happened. And then I really got back into it in my adult life. Um, but it is such a special game and like, I've always loved it. It's just finding the time for it. And like you said, that gap is kind of tough, but Having companies, I mean, man, mm-hmm. I can't explain how many times, you know, I wear your gear, like wh- whether it's during the day or at night or like just going around on the golf course, whatever it is. I mean, it's really reflective of like almost the personality of the person wearing it, right? Like it's it's very comfortable and casual, but also has like a really nice kind of classy feel to it. And I love that. And you wear it well. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I I love it all. I feel the same. Like I didn't, I didn't start golfing until, uh, really only a couple years ago. And so I had no even knowledge really of, of the old way of, you know, wearing all the right clothes, tucking your shirt in the hat forward, doing the whole thing. And my first introduction to golf too, was at a discovery property on El Dorado and Cabo. 
and I'm playing in board shorts, right? Mm -hmm. So then if, to go from that to somewhere like Pebble Beach or, or another golf course where you really got to, you know, be on your, on your game, um, having something like Malbon where we can wear it all the time, it just makes it more comfortable, more enjoyable, especially for someone who, I would say for me even, who had, didn't have golf when I was younger, I'm like, yeah, that's what I want to wear, man. This is what I want to do. I'm more comfortable in a game that I'm already uncomfortable in and I'm <laughs> learning, you know? <laughs> so it just changes the game as far as like, uh, I think you're exactly right hitting that that point, you know, um, the younger demographic and then making it fun, dude. <clears throat> that's that's the difference I think is, it's fun to go do that, you know? And, and you yeah. want to go have a good time playing the game. And like what you were saying, like it takes a long time, but it's not a bummer if it takes a long time, if like all your bros and, and your friends are doing it, yeah. then it's like you have no problem finding time to do it. Like it takes a long, a long time to party too, right? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it yeah. just takes a long time, like yeah, yeah. partying, being hungover, recovering. But, you know, you go through that, um, that 10 year period where like you make time for what you want to do, but when none of your friends want to do it too, it's like, I'm out. I'm not doing that. Like, yeah. I'm not leaving everyone for six hours and they're going to a house party and I'm going to go like hit balls on the range all day. Yeah. It's tough. But if everyone was going to hit balls on the range, then it's like you have plenty of time to do it actually. Yeah. Finding that community, right? Mm -hmm. That golf community helps a lot. Well, it's cool too. I think it can take you all over the world. You know, there's golf courses everywhere and, and like there's some of the most beautiful places I've ever been have been surrounding golf trips, you know? So it makes it even more enjoyable if you're looking at it from that standpoint also. It doesn't just have to be the golf course right down the street, you know? Yeah, that's it could bring awesome. you all over the world, right? Like, yeah. I think that's one of my favorite parts for sure, like discovering new courses and, and going out and trying to get on. And uh, hell yeah. Yeah. You said uh, you went to art school. What did you go to art school for? And how did that play into Malbone? Visual communication. So I learned like um, graphic design and I grew up as an artist and then went for commercial art basically. So um, I started a magazine in art school called Franklin 51 and it was an electronic pre press. So you had to learn design, you had to figure out how to separate files to send artwork electronically to the printer. So it's electronic pre press and started a magazine and um, the magazine was based off of like subcultures in time. It was before the internet. So it was like, if you knew someone on hot 97 and you were a rapper or you were a singer, you would be able to have a career or if you knew someone at a record label, but if you didn't, there was really no outlet. Um, and so it was kind of a underground, like culture type of publication and, published all over the world we published in japanese and french and portuguese and english and that took me to all types of places but it taught me um how to do storytelling really well and like art direction and editorial and then i got hired um at an ad agency where i was an art director and then became a creative director and then started my own ad agency where i worked and got hired by toyota and we launched Scion, a car company for Toyota. That was probably our biggest account. And then I worked on Nike and HBO and Coca-Cola and a whole bunch of different projects. But all of it was based around like youth culture in some way or fashion or another. Um, so I was actually doing all of that stuff and was switching offices when I had had probably 30,000, 40,000 followers on the mood board, which is now Malvin Golf. 
And my wife was like, at like, uh, if I go, my kids went to Wagon Wheel, so it, we would go to like Wagon Wheel, like f- dinners and, you know, parent parties and such. And so I'm like not talking to anyone until I see someone wearing like a LACC hat. And then it's yeah. like immediately I light up and I can sit and ch- like chat about like knock down seven irons and like flop shots and just like golf nerded out. And she's thought, you know, you're, it's all you want to talk about or do anyway. So we might as well make a business out of it. So we opened up a pro shop, if you will, on Fairfax and my creative studio was in the back where I was still working with Nike. I was working on Nike golf and, um, and Toyota and other accounts too. We were still doing a bunch of stuff, but it was my main focus was the creative services and the little shop in the front was like an area where I could meet friends and have people come by and I got a simulator and we started selling like, uh, we started selling like Jones bags and Seamus head covers and Nike golf was mainly what we sold at first, but the same way that like any golf course you can do, they have like a green grass program where you can crest your logo on like blank products. So that's when I made logos, the buckets, which is our kind of character him, and then the script logo. So we had two main main logos that I designed, and we started putting them on products that already existed. So I would go downtown and buy like champion sweatshirts, and then take them somewhere and get them embroidered, and we would start to sell them. But it was no, it was mainly just the sales from the shop, and then eventually we started with the website and we've it's it's kind of like did it ask backwards like when i was young i i I heard when you want to start a company you develop a really great product and then you figure out how you're going to sell it which is the audience so we did it backwards we we built a really great audience and then figured out what products that audience wants yeah that is an interesting way of looking at it and I, i mean i like the concept even of like creativity finding a way like you you started that account like you said just to have like a mood board but then the passion turned into something tangible and it's i mean it's a great lesson for people to you know do what you love and focus on things you're really passionate about to you know become an entrepreneur and and follow in those footsteps you have to have blind faith and love for what you're doing or there's a lot of reasons to quit you know, but if you love it or not, it's like the, it's like we've all had a friend that's dating like a, someone who's really, really bad for them. Right. And you can look and be like, dude, that's not it. Like you can't, that's not going to work. That's like a toxic relationship, but that person will tell you to fuck off. And then if his mom and grandmother says the exact same thing, like that's not good for you. It's like, fuck off grandma I'm in love <laughs> you know that's, yeah, it's yeah. like you can't talk sense into someone who's completely in love with something right so even when I was starting it like can you imagine like golf was declining and I said I was going to start a golf shop on Fairfax next to like Supreme and skateboard and, and weirdo shit so everyone was like it's the worst idea I've ever heard ever and then i was thinking like well maybe i could do like a restaurant there too and have like a cafe with the pro shop and a simulator and i remember someone saying well that's great now you'll have two of the worst fucking businesses to be in combined in one you know and it's like i said to them the same that i said to grandma it's like fuck off i'm doing it i love it and i think it'll work and obviously a lot of lucky and 
good timing stuff. You know, COVID helped greatly with our direct to consumer with our online business. Mm-hmm. Um, it shut our New York, it shut our LA store down. Our lease was up like right after all of the like um, protest and all of this madness was going on. So our lease was up and um, it forced us to shut the shop, but it also forced us to focus on like being profitable and, and, and having like a, a schedule of drops and, you know, just really like made, it, it was like, I didn't, I couldn't just hang out at the shop and like, do what I was doing. It forced us to kind of mature the business in a sense. Mm. And it's, that wasn't the original goal. Like I said, the original goal was like a free tea time at Angeles national or rustic Canyon. So now maybe I can play Madison club. So it's, it's it worked. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Opens in November. <clears throat> you yeah. think we got like a month. Sweet. Mm-hmm. I, what really resonated with me was, I mean, I got love and do it. You will on my forearm right now. I'm from the new earth by Eckhart Tolle. It's a St. Augustine quote. And I, you know, I don't think I bring it up that often. I don't want to bore the audience again with a story, but like, I just love it because, you know, if you're doing what you love, God's supporting you, the universe will support you. And, you know, hopefully it can work out because. Yeah, it kind of goes into line. Like, I, f- I feel the same way with everything I do and even the stuff that we do together. You know, if you're not passionate about it, then you will probably most likely burn out. You'll get over it. You'll find every reason, like you said, to quit. And um, it's already hard enough. Mm-hmm. So you might as well be in love with it and figure it out and kind of keep pushing forward. And, you know, life, it's funny too. Like, even, even with me with acting too, you know, I never know where it's going to take me. But then that, right when I feel like I should, you know, kind of throw in the towel and maybe just focus on a business or do whatever uh, something comes out of left field and you're like, Oh, well now I'm working with, you know, the rock or I'm doing this or that. You know, I think, I think we have a, you know, Tony Cavallero. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I just did a, I did a show with him recently. And dude, I think I saw you guys golfing together. Oh, yeah. He was awesome. at one of your events. Funny dude, man. Yeah. He's a piece of work. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's entertaining. Absolutely. Yeah. It was a guy, I mean, I was on set on and off with him for about seven months and you know, him and Adam and, and Danny McBride and all those guys are hilarious. You can't, sit around them and not laugh you know they can't help but come up with something funny but you know to that whole thing it's uh you know it's it's kind of just reigniting those passions and saying you know regardless of what happens i'm I'm happy i'm doing what i love and you know mm-hmm. doesn't mean it's not hard but it's worth it that's yeah for and sure. it's like you guys are doing like a comic book and you're doing this and you're acting it's like if you mm-hmm. set out and it was like I'm going to be an actor and that's all I'm going to be. And you just keep, sometimes you feel like you're beating your head against the wall to do it. But if it's like, I'm going to do what I feel like doing and I'm going to do it as the best that I possibly can, you know, it beats work. Yeah. Right. Absolutely, like it beats man. work. Yeah. It doesn't feel like work because you want to do it anyway. Yeah. It takes a lot of work to put a comic series together, but it doesn't seem like work. I'm sure but it seems fun. It's really fun. Yeah. I mean, the podcast, the comic, I mean, I, working on a, a documentary right now, like just anything creative that I can be a part of and, and contribute to, like, you're totally right. It, it you just want to, the process is what you enjoy. It, there is no final result. You just want to keep working at it. Right. Yeah. Even like, we'll go back to like when I was caddy and I remember an older caddy, I was like talking with him and he said, you know, caddy and beats work. Cause like yeah. it's, it's still work. You have to care, schlep someone's bags, but like you're outside, it's beautiful. You're going to get tipped. You're making money. You get to laugh. You get to be a part of the conversation. You get yeah. to watch people gambling. You get to 
It's a whole shitload of stuff going on, and like, yeah, it beats work. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, me and Will can go in on a tangent, uh, you know, talking about the story of where we want to take Kane, and we'll talk for hours, and it goes by in a, in a feels like a flash, and you don't realize it's it's just a good time, dude, and you get to have fun exploring all that stuff and creating. And oh, dude, and like, and kind of get back to like golf and like that younger audience. I mean, you kind of mentioned it was kind of stagnant, like the, I guess, youth outreach for the PGA and golf in general. Like, would you say in the last like 10 to 20 years, like how has that changed? I mean, you got Tiger Woods coming in, people like Ricky Fowler, Justin Thomas, did that kind of I mean, I don't think it was stagnant. I think it's very, it works really well with like seven-year-old to 14-year-old, right? Like it's easy to get a kid to play golf when they're seven, and you can keep them in it till they're 14, 15, maybe 16. But what happens from 16 to 30? That's tough. You know, and you and that's also when you have to work and when you're figuring out yourself and as an adult and you're you're probably working more and you're you're doing other interests that weren't doable when you were 10. You know, when you're 10, it's like my kid's golfing every day. It's he goes to school and after school he goes to golf. It's like he's not, he doesn't have like 12 other options right now. Like when you're 17, when you're 21, when you're 25, like there's a lot of options of what am I going to do after work? You know, it's not just, well, I'm going to golf because that's what else he's going to do. Walk the dog on the beach. Like he doesn't have that many options. Uh, Play video games, you know, like do homework. Oh, for sure. There isn't like endless options. The world is, uh, you know, when you're going through your teens and your early 20s and even into your 30s, like, there's so much amazing stuff you can do that it's very hard to prioritize golf to be that one thing you're going to do, right? And so I don't know if it's stagnant. They're trying, and they are getting younger kids to do it. But I think that it, you know, when I was coming from, like, New York City ad agency, entertainment, marketing, and, and every other thing, non-golf, like, I would ask friends and say, like, hey, do you want to golf? And the answer wasn't no. The answer was, like, hell no. Right. You know what I mean? It's, like, a negative. Like, yeah. fuck no, I don't want to go golfing. Like, what are you talking about? You know, and that has changed a bit. Where I think now, if you ask someone in their early 20s, do you want to golf? They're not going to say hell no. They're going to say Maybe still say no, but it's like, no, I don't have time, but I'm kind of interested in the idea. Yeah. Where back then, seven years ago, it was like hard pass. Just like, no. Yeah. No chance am I doing that. I don't know how. The people at the clubs don't want me there. I have anxiety. I don't know what to wear. I don't know where to stand. I don't know how to hit the ball. And that's a lot to break through that stuff. So I think that, you know, seven years ago... That Instagram started, and we've been in business like five years, but when the Instagram started seven years ago, there were no other Instagrams like it. Like, I did the Instagram also because I was so obsessed with golf. Not only did I use it as a mood board, I used it as a news feed for myself. So I followed, like, every golf Instagram handle I could follow from, like, Titleist and TaylorMade and Callaway and FootJoy and just, like, every single golf company and every single country club or golf course or pro golfer and just literally I had one Instagram for my normal 
life. And I had another one that was just where like all I would see is golf in the feed and I could keep up to date and I could see who's winning the tournaments and I could see swings by the long drive guys or, you know, the junior golf. I mean, follow everything LPGA. And so it gave me a, a real understanding of like what was out there. And then, like I said, we had the creative studio in the back with the little pro shop in the front and started to realize quickly that like golfers, um, they want stuff that makes them different than all the other golfers. Because if you take like, even like, um, let's say like LACC, right? So you have, you know, if you take 10 members that are there, they all have Mercedes, they all have, they know a lot of people, they're successful, they play golf, they have a family, and they all have the same car. So, like, how are you different than the other nine guys? The only way is, like, well, I have a cool bag and a cool head cover and a cool shirt and a fancy shaft or, like, a custom Scotty Cameron putter with my name on it. So, you know, it's it's like... Uh, it's like a, the same thing as in for like skateboarding. Like if everyone has a Powell Peralta skateboard, you want to get a Vision skateboard. You know, like you don't want the yeah. exact same thing that everyone in your peer group has because then you're not showing who you are as an individual. And so I think the same similar thing is happening in golf where, you know, you see like Jordan selling golf shoes, right? And even at like Madison Club, like they get X amount of pair, right? Like I sell them on our website. We get the same amount as so it's only like 24 pair or something when they get them but like why is that person want that shoe like foot joy works fine okay you know what i mean just like so though there's certain members at every club that are like yeah but i want to show i'm like different than all those other guys like yeah i have a porsche and i have a you know two million dollar house and or a $20 million house. And, but like at the end of the day, like I have the rare Jordans that like only 24 members got them because like I'm cool enough with the head pro and I'm, they know to ask me first. Right. And so I'm like one upping all of you other fucking idiots <laughs> with $20 million houses and Porsches. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> That's such a good way to put it, man. Yeah. You do want, your own style and your, and your own identity out there. I mean, that's why I, you know, look at people like Ricky Fowler, right? You get, you get the bright orange Puma and even Puma as a brand is like more athletic and less kind of like traditional golf. But like, I mean, you could see him from a mile away with that bright orange. Right. Mm -hmm. And then he kind of created a, his own thing and, and really stood out. Um, but he comes from like motocross in like Southern California and like that's normal to wear flat brim hats that are orange and like it wasn't normal to the masses and it wasn't normal to like this the kid who's just as good as Ricky but grew up in like South Carolina they don't understand that like Orange County Southern California like motor motocross vibes so it was just natural for him it wasn't like a he was trying. He was just like, I don't want to wear that hat. I want to wear a flat brim hat because all my friends are wearing flat brims hat and people in skateboarding and surfing and snowboarding and motocross and BMX. Like, this is what how we dress. And just because I'm super good at golf doesn't mean I'm not Ricky Fowler. Right. And I have to dress like a European tour player. I think that's a very important distinction, too. Like, that's what he was used to and what he was comfortable in. I totally agree. Yeah. It's, and, you know, I think 
Did you focus on that when you were kind of infusing your own designs and style into Malbon? Um, I don't, I used to go to Roger Dunn and like golf galaxy and such being addicted to golf. And I'd have like a pocket full of money and I'd go in and I'd look at everything and I'd be so geeked and like talking to strangers about like bounce of wedges and like just fucking obsessed with golf. And I'd leave with like a Titleist glove and dozen pro V ones. And that's it. Cause I don't want anything else in the entire store mm. because like, I think it has a lot to do with Tiger and him getting Nike and very fitness-based and, like, wearing, like, workout clothes, golfing. But he got really deezed up, and, like, he swings like a professional athlete, you know? But if you think of, like, like I, this thing I'm wearing, I golf in this. Like, it doesn't – I don't need to wear, like, dry-fit polos to golf in. Like, I could wear that hoodie you're wearing and golf just as good if – if I'm in that or a dry fit polo, like it doesn't affect my swing. You know, I'm not uh Bryson DeChambeau yesterday or whatever. He's at the long drive championship, the pros or whatever in Vegas. So like he might need a certain shirt that stretches to that type of athletic movement, you know, but your average golfer doesn't swing like that. Right. And then yet when you go to, when you would go to those stores, that's your only option. It's like the white belt, with the dry fit pants and polo and the Titleist TaylorMade or Callaway hat. And that was it. And so I realized that like one is a golfer. Like I want people to know I golf because if I'm getting coffee at Alfred's and I'm wearing a golf hat, I might have someone come up and be like, Hey, I'm a member of Bel Air. We should go play. Right. Right. Like, but I don't have to wear like a big Titleist hat in order to show people that I actually golf. So the logos that we designed were that, like that logo of buckets. It's a golf ball. And so it's already like golf without having to write, like scream out loud, like I golf, like I'm wearing a golf ball character on my shirt and it'll spark up a conversation at the coffee shop yeah. where next thing you know, the guy's like, well, where do you play? You know? And it's like, well, I play here and there. Oh, I'm a member of Bel Air. You should come with me sometimes. It's like, yes. <laughs> it's like a call out to the community right? yeah and you want yeah. people to know you golf but you don't have to dress like you know like i said like people with the the options that in for golf attire back then were like dress like a tour player or you're not a golfer and then also i ran a creative agency so i golf remember i told you i was addicted to things and i switched those addictions to golf so then basically i was golfing every single day in the morning but the last thing I want is all day long, everyone to say like, how'd you play? How'd you play? Like, I don't want everyone to know I fucking golfed. I'm golfing every day and I have a job and I have, I, I, I'm like on the course working as I'm playing and I couldn't dress like Hendrick Stenson if I'm going to keep those clothes on for the rest of the day, nor did I need to physically, I didn't need it. I could play in a, you know, a Stussy polo and a pair of slacks and like, I was totally fine with those clothing, but those options didn't exist at the golf stores at that time. And um, yeah, so, so, so that's, like I said, then we had a really big audience. The audience kept getting bigger. We were already working with Nike Golf. We did a Puma collaboration really early and launched it at the U.S. Open in Shinnecock. And that was kind of our first um, step at becoming a brand. And then 
You know, it's tricky making apparel because you your quality can't go up until your quantity goes up. Mm. That makes sense. So, like, yeah. if you only make a hundred polos, they're going to be like sample quality, meaning they're like handmade by a so someone sewing it on a sewing machine. It's not a part of a massive production. But if you make five thousand polos. Think about it. If you make 5,000 polos, the first 100 are going to be the worst ones. Yeah. When you get to like three, four, 5,000, they're fucking coming out polished and perfect. But if it's only 100, it's like by the time they figure it out, they're done. And so your sizes could be weird or your stitching could be weird. And there's all types of issues with. So that was a big challenge. And that was why, um, like I said, I was going and buying like champion sweatshirts downtown and then embroidering our artwork on it and selling them like that because I couldn't afford, I didn't, it wasn't funded properly, nor did I have an audience big enough to be able to sell 5,000 of something. So now fast forward five, six years later, we're actually producing high enough quantities where we can make like really, really good stuff. And um, so it's exciting, you know. When, when you were taking me through the office, I mean, you were showing me material that, you know, the top fashion brands use, right? Like mm-hmm. you, you were showing me stuff that if, if I saw it in a store, I, w- I would think it's a Louis V sweater yeah. or something like that. So how do you kind of implement those fine materials with like what you're doing? Well, again, like the, we're making sweaters at the same factory that makes like Montclair sweaters, right? <laughs> but they're not going to make a hundred sweaters for you, you know? So again, it's like quantity. If you're not making high enough quantities, you can't use the preferred factories. Mm. You can't get, you know, the materials. Like it's hard to buy small amounts of really, really good materials. Like they don't want to bother waste their time. It's like, no, you got to buy X amount or we're not going to sell it to you because it takes us just as much time to sell you you know, 10,000 yards of something as it does 10 yards of something. So that ties into the quantity and quality conversation. Okay. Yeah. And so that's why I was saying by going back, like we built a really, really good audience and then we are figuring out products that the audience wants. But, you know, I, I talked to brands where they're like, you know, they have a thousand Instagram followers and they go buy a thousand hats and it's like, (laughs) how the fuck are you going to sell those? (laughs) (laughs) you might sell a hundred if you're lucky yeah and then the other 900 just sit and then they get depressed and like quit you know because it's like it's it's like well how would i possibly how could you possibly sell that many you know if so um you don't have an audience yeah it makes it a little difficult it's tough to sell and then the pro shops aren't going to sell it because you have a thousand instagram followers and no one knows who you are and like you're like yeah but i have 900 hats that i need to sell it's like, <laughs> yeah. fuck you're sitting on some hats here <laughs> yeah, like, good luck <laughs> you don't even know 900 people to give them to i mean at least you could use them as promo but like it's, sure. a, it's a tricky um tricky at first but now our quantities and are getting higher we have a bunch of stores in Asia. We have a store in Soho in New York, and we're opening one in um, Carmel by the sea like in a week or two. Awesome. So being, being able to buy for material and sharing it around amongst the different stores in different countries and such helps helps that. That's cool. Stuff. So those are some of the new stores? You got Carmel in Asia, and are there any other kind of new? Uh... We just opened one in Soho in New York. 
We have a beautiful store on Crosby Street in, in um, Soho. That's one of my, that's the area yeah. in New York, right? Yeah, like if, cool. if you're shopping in New York, you go to Soho. Totally. And Crosby Street's like a little off, just barely like, it's like one of the last like cool blocks in New York that isn't over commercialized in Soho. And um, it's Crosby, Crosby between Spring and Broom Street. So it's a super, super, super cool New York block. And we have a shop there. Um, we're opening a store in Carmel by the Sea in like a week or two. And we're aggressively opening stores in Korea and Japan. And here we'll probably do, um, we just was, we, we were just in Miami looking at shops like a week or two ago. And we're going to open a store here in LA, but we're going to do it. It's hard for me to picture where I would want to have a store in LA. So we're going to just say, fuck it and put it in the, um, the international airport at the LAX. Oh, that's wow. cool. Yeah, like, as like, um, so that'll be cool. Yeah. You know? Talk about foot traffic. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. put it in there. And there's a lot of people from Asia there and international people. And so it stays busy and it's expensive, but it's like a cool global marketing type of uh, play. And then we're looking at Austin and um, yeah, we're just going to keep, keep opening some stores here, but our main business is direct to consumer. And sooner than later, we'll start doing pro shops and clubhouses and all of that. Uh, fun stuff on the wholesale side, but we're also at like Saks and Nordstrom's and Mr. Porter. So we're doing like majors and big chains, which help the production, the quantities as well. Cause they got to figure like a uh, pro shop's going to do like 10, 20, 30 grand a year or a brand, but like Saks will open you up at like 600 grand a year. Oh, hell yeah. So it does yeah. help with uh, growing the brand and then, you know, it's tricky selling a golfer a polo who's never tried your polo on before because all the golf brands make polos that fit totally different. Like you may wear XL in one, you may wear medium in one, and it's just you're not going to know until you try it on. So yeah. being in pro shops is a great way for people who walk in and they need to buy a polo or a hat or whatever, and they have to buy it. And so they, you know, it's not that hard to sell a polo if there's only five brands it's like they're buying a polo that's a fact or they're not playing yeah yeah and so if there's only five brands in there like you have a one-fifth chance of them buying yours <laughs> and then they'll take that polo and go home and then wife you'll be like oh it looks great on you i'm gonna order it in four more colors and then they go to your website and that's sure. interesting hell yeah yeah i've done that numerous times or even yeah. kind of last minute golf trips where you don't expect to to be golfing and you're like i gotta get the attire man so yeah. here's the whole outfit yeah. You guys definitely uh, are the most diverse collaborators in the golf industry, I would say. Um, I'm kind of curious, is there anything you look for when you're collaborating with a brand? You know, like you said, you did Puma and I know you did the Budweiser one we're big fans of and a bunch of really cool brands. It's either like, so we're trying like our mission statement and I figured it out early and I guess a mission statement, the main thing I know it does is it helps keep the founders and the, the people running the company focused. So ours is to inspire today's youth to participate in golf right so it's like just to participate in like you said pga 2k like we're in the pga 2k game oh really yeah we've been in it a couple of years but we're in this one too i just did a tv commercial for it and um with schoolboy q and like shooter mcgavin and some video That's game sick. weirdos and a bunch of different people in it that, that sounds awesome. incredible yeah. yeah that was fun to do it but 
Um, it's either one of two things. So like I'll use like Beats by Dre, for example. We did a collaboration with Beats by Dre. They then enrolled Tony Finau and Cameron Champ and Schoolboy Q and me and myself and my wife, Erica. We did a TV spot for Beats by Dre. And then they did a massive media buy after they did the massive production and they they blasted it out to like millions of people on YouTube, et cetera. So, you know, if you think about it, like Beats by Dre's Instagram or YouTube or whatever, their social, like most of them aren't golfers, right? And so that was a like, I'm in because I'm doing a collaboration with a company that has you know, 10 million people following them that don't golf, that probably think golf's a bit stuffy. And this will be a great way to get them to look at golf uh, differently. And then that's the same for like, you know, Budweiser. Yeah, like Budweiser social and all that stuff. Like it's not a golf company, you know? So it's a, it's like a global brand and it's a, a company that everyone knows what it is. But at the same time, X percent of those people at like a Budweiser definitely golf, you know, or I knew it would do good in sales because like how many golfers are there in America? How many of them drink beer? Right. And then how many of them love Budweiser? So it's like fairly easy to know that that will probably be received well. Um, and, but we got to design like cool stuff. It's not like we did just head covers, you know, like there's actually like apparel and sweatsuits and all types of stuff. But then on the other side, so it's like, that's how it is for like, you know, um, we're doing girl skateboards, which is my friend, Sean Malto. He golfs a lot and he's on girl skateboards. Girl skateboards is like one of the biggest, most core skateboard companies that are cost and skated for yeah. forever. And it's like girl skateboards. So we're doing a collaboration with girl skateboards because like most likely most of their fans don't golf. Right. But there are a lot of golfers or skaters who grew up skating that are now in their mid thirties that are like golf's kind of cool actually, you know, like, wow, girls doing a golf bag with this new company. Like yeah. I like that company. I'm not going to buy a, you know, vessel golf bag. I'm going to buy a girl yeah. Malvin golf bag because I want to show who I am again and, and all of that stuff. So if it's something that's outside of golf, we're doing it to broaden the golf audience. And then if it's something in golf, like, you know, like Ralph Lauren or Nike Golf or Adidas Golf or or even like FootJoy, right? So like we do collaborations with FootJoy and I know that all of those people are golfers, right? But we shoot it with like as different as you can possibly tell a story from how your traditional FootJoy commercial would be. So it's the models we pick, the location we pick, the styling that we do. And it's not like I'm trying to do like graffiti on the golf shoes. Like that's not it either. It's a very classic design that we're doing, but we're shooting it in a very kind of international eclectic feel of what the storytelling is. So that way, again, it's taking FootJoy's followers and them seeing us shoot something that may make them up uncomfortable a little bit. But that's then growing and inspiring that group of people like, wow, you know, shooting a golf ad like an international fashion commercial. I've not, I haven't seen it done before, but like, I kind of yeah. like it, Yeah, you know? Yeah. And so it's that two-sided candle, you know? It's like helping the young people realize golf isn't as stuffy and shitty as you think and helping the old people realize like young people aren't as like derelict as you may think. 
<laughs> dude, I love how you just yeah. broke that down. That's like genius. That's great, dude. My lord. Bridget, yeah, bridging the gap of uh, the Judge Smoltz character and and the uh, Danny character, right? It's like you you want both of them playing together, ideally. And that's golf is like the only way that I know that you can do that. You know, like it's a great equalizer. Like you said, it's like you can like I can, I'll go golfing with people, and luckily I learned when I was young, and I can golf pretty good sometimes, but. um I'll go golf with like people who, when they're looking at you on the first hole, they're like, fuck, I got to golf with this guy. And then like you hit like start off like par birdie par. And all of a sudden they're like your best friend. And then like, I'm getting photos. Like I played with people in Hawaii a year ago, three random dudes, but like I get photos of them sending me like their 16 year old daughter wearing her hats like a year later, like still texting with some fucking randoms. I don't even know their name. It just says like, the guy in Hawaii, Hawaii that I golf. golfed with. Yeah. <laughs> but he texts me and I get excited every fucking time. He's like, how have you been playing? <laughs> How's the fucking slice coming along? Like, did you fix it? That's <laughs> I, awesome. That's so good, You become man. buddies real quick with someone after you get four or five hours with them on a golf yeah, course, man. you know, and you get to know who they are and you get to laugh and you get to help them. And it's like golf's so fucking hard anyway. And the wind's blowing and the, you don't know the yardage and the elevation and this. So like, you're like almost like brotherly and helping each other just from the jump. It's like, dude, come on, we're getting through this. Like you can go to fucking Vietnam with me. I'm here with you, bro. I'm going to help you read your putts. Like we're going to fucking make putts, high five, hug. And at the end, it's like, you're like sad to leave them. Yeah. Someone who I would have never hung out with it for fucking 10 minutes in my entire life. Next thing you know, I'm like fucking miss the guy. Like I miss fucking stranger. I don't even know him. I play one round and I like miss him the next day. Yeah, checking in on the family. Yeah. yeah. That's great. Man. All over a round of golf. Who would have fucking thought? Yeah, dude. We st- I mean, I still got like laughs from buddies from years ago, man. Like my buddy's bachelor party. We all got hammered. And the next morning we decided like 7 a.m. tee off. And just the jokes that are coming out of it, the videos, dude, that this, that we're still like five years later, bringing it up in the chat, you know, it's the, yeah, it's it's, nothing better. Yeah, dude. It's good. It's just good time. Good memory making, dude. Really. It's a lot, a lot of fun, man. Did it ever feel like, obviously from hearing your story and, and what you've done with Malbon, you have to take risks, you know, like with foot joy and, and shooting this international commercial and some of the, you know, collaborations, did it ever feel too risky uh <laughs> going in for the younger oh, yeah. audience constantly yeah. yeah constantly but again it's like put up like weird shit it goes back to the same like it would be like i remember like years ago i would put like you know i would put like uh, uh, like you know a photo of like chris tucker golfing with no shirt on and like a joint out of his mouth I put that up and I'd be like, oh, fuck, I'm going to lose like followers, dude. It's going to freak fucking people out, you know? But then I would like follow up with like, you know, Greg Norman, like just flip Greg Norman in there with the shark hat dripping in this old look of Reeboks and stuff. And so it's like a fine line. But again, like you're not growing if you don't get out of your comfort zone a bit. So it's kind of an obligation to do it, but it's to do it tastefully and respectfully. Like I'm not into like trash and golf courses and i'm not into like playing rundown municipal golf courses like i want to play the best golf courses in the world and i think there's a level of like 
inspiration to people like yourself, people who are learning how to golf and getting into it. It's like, you know, like the more I practice, the more I play, the more I hold myself in a certain way. And the more I network and get out there, the more, the, the higher the odds that I'll eventually get to play Augusta national, you know? And so it's like, I compare it to like nightclubs in like Paris during fashion week. Like you have to fucking work. You can't just walk up and get in. Like, I don't care who you are. Yeah. You're not, they're not letting you in. You know, you got to work. You got to figure out, oh, my cousin knows this dude and he knows the doorman and we can get into this club. And yeah. you might have to grease some people on the way in. It takes thought and that's almost half the fun. Right. Like it's not only fun getting drunk and partying. It's fun being like, I got into the hottest party last night in Paris Fashion Week and I saw all these fucking people and it was fucking like, that's what you're doing it for. But again, you can't just, I come from New York City for 12 years doing nightlife and events and party promotions and all of those type of things. Like you have to be clever in order to get what you want. And it's like, I want to play Cypress and Augusta and Pine Valley. And like, you know, I want to play the the most, it's just like in, in, in Paris, like I want to go to the hardest to get in nightclub. Like I don't yeah, want to just sit at the bar at the hotel and get hammered. I want to go to like, the club that everyone says you'll never get in there. It's like, watch. Yeah. And that's half the fucking challenge, but you have to get good enough as well. So that when I go play it, you know, Pebble beach that the guy I'm playing with is like, Hey, I'm a member of Cyprus. You're pretty good at golf. You should come play with me one day. It's like, I was waiting on you to ask, sir, but like, <laughs> that's why you have to fucking get yeah. good because yeah. he's not going to invite you if you're just cute. Right. Like it's not enough. <laughs> yeah man <laughs> you gotta be good too or you're not getting the invite to cyprus yeah. i mean it's it's like it's interesting kind of hearing it put that way but it's so true and it's kind of like anything in life i mean the more you put into something the more people you meet you know the bigger impact you leave and kind of like what my grandpa told me when i was young too it like kind of fits everything we're saying of like how golf can be such a great um, you know, not only like business tool and networking tool, but also can like teach you so much about life and, you know, kind of as long as you're, you know, fixing your divots and marking your ball and raking the bunker, you know, people will invite you out again. And, and it's more about those things and, and your mannerisms and your etiquette on the course than it is about how you play. Mm -hmm. Right. Totally. It's like, if you're a pleasure, then people will like to invite you back. But you have to be a pleasure. You can't be yeah. like fucking hitting the balls like shit and fucking complaining the whole time. Like, I can't believe I sliced it in the woods. I'm like, oh, I can't believe you thought you weren't going to with that fucking swing. <laughs> it's like, no one gives a fuck how you play, actually. It's yeah. like, are you going at the same speed as we are? And are you fun yeah. and enjoying yourself and light? Or are you like heavy and pissed off and fucking throwing clubs? It's like anyone I play with like that, like I won't, I don't want to play with them again. It's like, yeah. it's not yeah. fun. It's yeah. like, tense and like depressing like fuck don't even look at that guy he just missed another five foot putt. He's about to punch his caddy it's like this sucks that's late and we've all had our moments i think we've all had good oh, moments man. and bad moments on the course yeah. but like overall yes yeah, man. strive for uh politeness on the golf course oh yeah man uh i want to talk about your uh nft project bucket club man Can mm -hmm. you tell us a little bit about that so back when I started Malden Golf and I started to turn it into um, an Instagram as the mood board, et cetera, I was obsessed with golf. And like I said, none of my friends played golf. 
And so I joined Brookside Men's Club, which is like the municipal course over there. And basically you played like a match a week or something and you had to go play with three strangers. And they basically were like the most rude, non-community group of people I could imagine. So they're like not helping you find their balls. They're looking at you like, why are you wearing like a fucking Stussy polo and not a Foot Joy polo? And it just wasn't enjoyable. There was no part of like community to it that I enjoyed. And so fast forward, we started Malvin Golf Club and and Buckets Club. And they're basically um, digital country club, if you will. And so we use Discord as our um, information bulletin board. And we do monthly tournaments on the East Coast and the West Coast. And we do special events at like Coachella and Art Basel and different cultural moments that are going on where you already know there's going to be a lot of great people in, you know, Miami first week of December because it's Art Basel. So why not do a golf tournament there? And so we're doing um, Miami Shores Golf Club December 1st for Bucket Club. And we get like corporate sponsors that come in like Topgolf and and StockX is actually producing that with us. And then there's like, you know, drinks support and, and food. And we're going to actually start more of like a um, kind of a merch retail play with these tournaments where we'll go in and develop like um, pop-ups kind of where you'll just take the whole clubhouse pro shop over and take all of the stuff out and put only our stuff in and stuff we develop purposely for these tournaments and events and branding them. Yeah, but souvenirs, sure, you go to a you know good one. And now with my kids, like I'll do that. I don't do it for myself because I don't really wear those other brands anymore. But I will buy like polos for my kids. For sure. You know, hats and polos and that type of stuff. So like my kid goes to school wearing like a St. Andrew's polo. It's like, let's go. That's really cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Very, very baller. But the the NFT group, it's really, it's not even like, uh, it's not like a collectible piece of art. It's just uh, your token that allows you access into a digital club. So it's um, country clubs where you'll be be like member 1384 or something. And that's how you get billed and that's how you... Um, can log into the gated website so that you can see, hey, there's a member guest or there's this or there's an Easter egg hunt or whatever the hell, that there has to be a way to prove you're a member and we're just using the tokens to for that reason. Um, but on a, like on a business side, like on a, on a dollars and cents, we sold them for 0.3 Ethereum and now they're trading at like, 1.6 or something. Wow. Whoa. So they've traded for a while and in this really weird economy over the last year or two, you know, the value of these NFTs are going up and it's not because of the artwork, it's because of the utility and like the perks in real life. So if you're yeah. a member, you can play in tournaments. If you're not, you can't play. And then if you own two NFTs, you could bring a buddy. And oh, if cool. you own four, you could bring three buddies. So now you have people coming in and buying four so they could bring three business people with them. Or that, that part of it's pretty cool where you can, if you own a few of the NFTs, and it's Buckets Club on OpenSea is how you would uh, buy one or what have you. But um, yeah, it's cool. It's interesting. And I think it's like, 
It's 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 half of the utility is that we play physical golf tournaments that that happen all over and because we can get a hundred people or so we can rent like you know out here we do like hacienda country club which is really good country club but um you know it's like 35 40 grand to rent the course out for the day and sometimes we pay even up to like a hundred grand to rent the course but there's enough members that'll pay their green fees to be able to go play. And like, you guys know, like you're at Lakeside. Yeah. Yeah. So if I hit you up and was like, Hey, can I bring my three friends with me? You're like, fuck no. (laughs) Right. It's just, it's tricky. No, but it is tricky. Like they have rules on, there's rules on all of that. Then you'd be like, well, I got to get another member per guest her whatever so my point is it's very hard to have the community vibe that you want to have at these private courses because you're lucky to get invited by yourself let alone i'm going to bring my three homies with me it's like yeah they want to like encourage members playing with members especially like new members so i think because i'm in my first like six months or whatever it is too they kind of limit that and then it's yeah and they're all like that, and they all have their different things, but most of them are closed on Mondays. So with this bucket club, we can rent out the whole course on Monday, oh, and shit. instead of doing a charity golf tournament, we're actually doing a tournament for our members, but we get to move around from different courses. So we just did Bandon Dunes, and we took like 100 people to Bandon Dunes. It's a great course. Which was insane. A couple-day trip we're doing. We do um, Torrey Pines twice a year. Where Torrey Pines, wow. too, it's very hard to get a few tee times, let alone... You know, I think That's we cool. had like 40 tea times or something. But, yeah, That's so it's, awesome. it's interesting. We're doing Pinehurst and, um, yeah, just setting golf destinations and tournaments. So half of the reason people are joining the, for that, the other half is like a loyalty program for our apparel business where you get a discount, you get limited edition, um, you know, like those Jordans, going back to the Jordans at Madison Club, like you can skip the line, if you will. And if you're, we'll, we'll sell certain products that we know are going to sell out. We'll open it up first for our members. So you don't oh, have yeah. to like panic that it's going to sell out and, it stops the bots and the like the robots that buy all the Jordans to then sell them on secondary markets. So there's a, a token gated website that we have where you have to in, you have to hook your MetaMask up with your website. And that way you can then go in and buy the stuff that is way more sought after. So that's been a really cool perk. And then we work with Topgolf. So if you're you own an NFT for buckets club you get like all types of free play opportunities at top golf so when it's not on peak hours you can go there and just use top golf as like a, a driving range just to like practice That's so cool. there's real life stuff we're doing tournaments in the golf plus on oculus so oh, wow. nice. so oculus headset you know and you we're doing golf tournaments but then mm-hmm. in those tournaments there's prizes from TaylorMade, and there's you know Same. giving away gift certificates to our site and so it's again like it's the going back to what I was saying where like fish where the fish are like I know young people are into NFTs and into on Discord like mm-hmm. there aren't a bunch of old people on Discord <laughs> no, you know so it's like sure. if we're trying to attract young people guaranteed there's not a lot of old people involved with that space so us and then it's also on like a, 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 a I'm like an advertising, marketing, like graffiti artist minded person where like that logo is the logo that's the artwork 
of the NFT. So now you have yeah. like golf, cool golf balls trading on OpenSea and all over Discord and people using them as their images and their Instagram handles. And, you know, it's again, it's just like pushing the envelope. And I think that there is a huge like space there where people are going to do it more and more and more. Like think about like counterfeit Rolexes. So if you own an NFT that came with your watch, there's no way you could ever buy a counterfeit. Right. And I like the cyber security aspect too of like, Mm -hmm. you know, having the secure website. I mean, that's, I didn't know they were doing that. That's a cool feature. Yeah. That's like, we're one of the only people doing it and um, we're trying to kind of lead the way. So like for brands that are doing it, it's actually like the, the value of the NFT is steadily going up because we're pouring and pouring more like perks and such. So like, uh, you know, people are all freaked out by NFTs and there's all these scammers and then the economy and like people were buying like, you know, a hundred thousand dollar NFTs that are now worth $3,000. And it's like, I watched all that happen while ours were going up in price while every other collectible one, if you will, like just fucking tanked, you know? And that's like over the last year that that's happened. And again, Mm -hmm. it's, Ours are hanging in there and going up in value because you actually get a lot of shit in the real world. Right. It's not just like a JPEG. It's a JPEG that's barcoded. And if it wasn't barcoded, you wouldn't be able to get all the perks. Yeah, there was a lot of early conversations I heard about NFTs coming on. Is, is Yeah, there was the wave of the art and the NFT itself and those being collectible and everything. But because there was nothing attached to it, everyone was saying the phase two essentially, which is you know having some kind of fungible uh, item, whatever it may be, or tangible item. Um, that's what's going to make the difference. That's going to you know you're adding value for that membership and um, <coughs> even more than what I knew. Yeah, so that's that's. Yeah, I think it's like NF like the if you're going to buy NFTs or something, it's like the three points of like what matters. It's like. Who are the founders? Who are their friends? And what do I get in the real world? Yeah. Because if the founder, it's like when we were doing it, like people think everyone's like scammers, but then they're like, well, Steve and his wife and his kids run a golf business and they have a golf business and they're doing business with Nike and they're doing business here and there. And he's probably not going to blow all that just to rip a bunch of people off with fucking NFT sales, you know? So, and then they're like, well, who are their friends? And it's, it's very similar to a country club, and I've kind of thought of it the same way. It's like if you think of L.A., you have like Braemar Country Club out in Reseda, right? They have 27 holes of golf. They have tennis courts. They have buffet on Sundays. They have from a, from a mile up, it's the exact same thing as LACC or Riviera. But you pay $2,000 to join Braemar, and you pay 300000 to join Riviera or give or take, right? Right. But, like, why are you doing that? It's, like, not for the putting green. It's <laughs> not for the amount of golf holes. One has 27. One has 18, right? So it's, like, obviously it's because of the community. Yep. And you're joining that place and paying shitload of money. And you're driving on through the fucking hard place to get to to go there because you want to be around that community and it's more about the community and even like your you guys's Madison clubs and all that. It's like the golf is insane, but in Vegas, I mean, in Palm Springs, like 
they have a lot of really good golf courses there. A lot of really good right? golf. Right? So it's like, why would someone pay X times more to join there for a house on a golf course than two miles down the road at a course that on paper, give or take, it's the same thing? Yep. Yeah, and, and you're going to pay more to join one club, country club, than you would on the other. And if it was so, it's like, it's not about just the golf. It's about the community that you can rub shoulders and elbows with while you're at that club. Yeah. Globally, it's like, hey, do you want to come out to L.A. and play Riv for a few days? You know what your answer is going to be. Riv is, in my opinion, the best course in L.A. It's hard to pass on certain clubs, Pine Valley, Augusta National, Cypress Point. So there's a super interesting comparison there of like the community and the perks and everything that go along with the digital golf club that we're doing that, um, you know, there could be another one that like the value of the NFTs are going down but it's because the same reasons it's like there's really good people who show up and play in our tournaments and then you get to go and you know we just did one in new york and like cc sebastian or whatever his name was there he's like a yankee fucking sebastian yeah he's the best he's the best everybody like plays in all the tournaments or these pro skater dudes or rappers or you know someone like ben baller like playing in these tournaments you take an average Joe who buys an NFT for X amount of money. And next thing you know, he's playing golf with like a world series champion legend, New York Yankee football baseball player in the Hamptons at a tournament at a course you could never play elsewhere. Otherwise, if you didn't know a member. So it's super fun. That whole thing. I'm just the fucking, I'm, I'm obsessed with it. And it's really cool to see like, like I said, like the, the gated, the gated website stops the robots and it stops the secondary market flipping. Yeah. Cause if you don't own the NFT, you can't buy the fucking shoes to then sell them for three times what they're worth the next day, which means the golfers who really want them are the ones that are really going to get them versus fucking robots buying them faster yeah. than humans can buy them. And then it all sells out in 10 seconds and it's like, eh. <laughs> no one got any of them. And then they're all on secondary eBay or, 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 yeah goat or, or yeah and the people you want them wearing them aren't wearing them either exactly. right it's like yeah yeah so there's a lot there that i would imagine happens and even having like you know with apparel it's like and 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 there's a, like a whole thing there with like badging and tokens so like if you play in a certain golf tournament you know like even at like your situation at like say madison club if you play in like the member guest they'll do things where you get like a digital certificate that showed you played in it and you'll be able to keep it in your wallet forever. And so it's like, you know, it's like badges for like boy scouts. It's like, it shows that like, Oh, you went and camped at fucking the grand Canyon or you did this and you get a badge and you get to wear it. So there's like the NFT whole thing is like very interesting. And again, it's people showing, you know, who they are and what they've done. And I own, all of these badges because I played in these 20 golf courses. So imagine if you go play Augusta national and you get a fucking NFT. Right. But if you don't play there, you can't get the NFT. I mean, we sold Bettinardi putters with, this is wild. We sold $3,000 putters with Bettinardi and we made like 24 of them. 
And so they all sold and they came with an NFT. But then the NFT was selling for $6,000 the next day. Damn. Holy shit. Like, just think of that. So it's like you buy the putter and you get an NFT and you get to keep the putter and you can sell the NFT. So there's this whole like thing that's fucking happening, you know, that's like, and and I imagine it's, you know, it's not going to go away. No. Not when you're tying it to utility or like I said, I'm going to buy a Rolex and I get an NFT and that way I know the Rolex is real. And you can't fake the yeah the the. But that's what it's going to do is it's going to I think get rid of all of the things that don't have any value, mm-hmm. and now it's going to bring in companies like yours that are doing things that actually uh, you get to use and have fun with, and and you know it hey. changes the game really. Yeah, have those real life tie-ins. Yeah, whether that is the clothing or the golfing or you know the the access to stuff that you wouldn't have before. It's that's the move. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. Like like yeah. at, at Top Golf we're having it where you can go for free. When you go in, you can show them your you show them your NFT and then the the gaming system that is in your bay is based off of your NFT club. So then you can do like closest to the pin contest globally for the club members, oh, cool. but you're using a real life place in Top Golf. And if you don't own the NFT, one, you don't get in for free. And then number two, you can't be a part of this t- contest where you get these rad prizes and cash and That's Ethereum awesome. to the closest to the pen and all this fucking madness. But like that stuff is fucking cool with community. So you'll have someone in like Dubai and someone in like Bangkok at Topgolf's playing against us here yeah. because we're playing at the one in El Segundo and then so-and-so. And so it's like, wow, I'm playing golf with like really cool people all over the world at a top golf, you, um, you know, facility, yeah. but for a club championship. <laughs> it's such a cool concept. <laughs> yeah. I, I like, I got to get involved in that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you. Absolutely. And, and it, it reminds me of like, you're you're creating like a more sophisticated, more badass like uh, Xbox Live, right? Because like if you're playing Xbox, you can like you know play Call of Duty with people all over the world, right? But this is like golf at like some of the nicest golf courses yep. and like gear from some of the nicest brands. It's this crazy combination of like new age digital marketplaces with yeah. real life stuff. It's it's. Really cool. And then it's like, imagine now too, it's like super, super, super early. <laughs> so it's like the web, it's web three is what it is, right? But like, think about like web one when you had to like plug into a telephone. Ba-ding, yeah, and you had to deal with all that shit. Now you have like Wi-Fi and Bluetooth everywhere and it's like the easiest thing ever. But when web three is maxed out and it's going into web four like you can only fucking imagine what's going to happen i mean even to down to like with oculus like we'll be able to have like the same thing like you can have like a calcutta party the night before the contest where you're using top golf as your facility but everyone will get on oculus and be able to have dinner together in a room that's designed to look like the grand dinner hall at augusta national yeah and like or mount olympus yeah like you can do whatever the fuck you want (laughs) basically and like we can sit here and talk just like this 
But you're like in your living room, you're in your living room, and I'm in my living room, and you have on a fucking headset, but we're sitting here having this exact same conversation. And that way you could do a a dinner of like, you know, we're going to start doing like, um, we're going to start doing like, let's say like me and Schoolboy Q design a collection. Well, we'll do like a meet the designer. And then you'll be able to, if you own the NFT, you'll be able to go into a room and you can sit and mingle with whoever the fuck else is in there. But like me and Q will be on stage and we'll talk about the inspiration and the design and da da da. But like how many people could you fit inside of a a A theater or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. But like with the Oculus, you could have like 50,000 people could come and watch this presentation and no one has to leave their own home. Yeah. But while you're in there, you can mingle with the others. And that's when all those badges start coming. The, the, the fucking uh, Boy Scout shit starts coming. Yeah. It's like, holy fuck, he played in 18 tournaments. Yeah. He's been around here forever. Like, he's a legend. Yeah. And then strangers yeah. will be trying to sh- sh- shoot the shit with you in it because you are wearing your badges on your, you know, on your 3D buckets avatar that you're walking around in this fucking room having a party that could be a great work connection right like they, they just could be great friends great business connections i mean that community is uh is gonna be really strong yeah it's trippy i learned a lot of it from my kids one's 12 one's 10 and they were super into um they're super into uh go into like travis scott concerts and i had to like give them like 30 bucks to like go to a Travis Scott in inside of a video game. And then you give them the money to go to the concert and they're like, dad, I need skins. I need to dress a certain <laughs> right, way when right. I'm my avatar. And so now there's like another 30 bucks. It's in V bucks or something, but yeah. it's yeah. just like I watched during COVID. They used to always want to go to target. And now they don't even want to go near a fucking target. They just want to get any amount of money I'm going to give them and they want to spend it digitally to like do community-based gaming but it's a lot of money and it's constant dude, dude my yeah. little brother with his Fortnite skins Fortnite, oh my I mean. god like the yeah. mandalorian comes V-Bucks. out he's got to get that yeah yeah and you need the v box and then it's like they're meeting up with their homies and it's the same reason like you know someone's buying a mob and golf shirt is so when you go around everyone says like oh i like your shirt i like what that brand stands for and like you know i'm one of you we're the, we're in the same well now they're doing it and wearing digital clothing to show who they are inside of a digital video game from their fucking living room and yeah. from their bedroom like on the computer station and so it's the same it's the same thing like what is a digital country club you know, and like, how is that today? And what will it be in five years? Like, it'll be a lot different because technology is just going to keep catching up. Like now the Oculus is this big, like before yeah. long, it's going to be, you know, this big. And it's like, Doop! and you're in the <laughs> fucking meadow. You're in the war. You're in. Doop. Just Dude, that simple. I'm 100%. And like, you guys are at the forefront of it, right? I mean, I, I, can't, I don't know any other companies that are doing that. There are not a lot of brands that are doing it with like intent for growing it into what it will be. And it's like cool too, because most businesses or <coughs> most businesses are things people will tell you like, you know, you can't do this and you can't do that. But with this, it's like, fuck off. You can do whatever <laughs> you want because like no one knows what you can do. Right. There's zero rules. Yeah. It's like, 
who's to say you can't do that? It's like it's never been done. So how could you know better than you or you or me or any fucking body of like what you can and you can't do? It's like we don't even know what technology is coming. I mean, I heard the other day that they're going to have these suits that you can go in and basically you can wear gloves that like you can have snowball fights with the with the with the goggles on and the gloves and so your hand will get cold so in a snowball fight it's like who can get whose hand can get the fucking coldest who's gonna win the snowball fight who can take the most pain because right. when your hand's cold and you can't make the fucking balls mm-hmm. you're gonna get pelted right yeah. <laughs> so like it's all the way down to like touch and feeling and like you can wear a suit and go skiing and it feels like winds like ripping on your body as you go and then you're like it stops ripping when you get on the chairlift and you're sitting there talking with your buddy on the chairlift at you know big sky montana or something dude if i can snowboard in my living room you will be able to game over you will be able to and you'll feel like frostbite on your fucking cheeks and shit (laughs) yeah i'm I'm never leaving my (laughs) living room if i can snowboard in it Oh my God. So it's just like, uh, you know, golfing, like watch what happens with that. Like they already have like golf clubs. Like we're doing a collaboration with some fucking tech company that makes golf clubs that hold the grip of the Oculus fucking handles. Wow. And it has weights on it shit to feel like a golf club. You won't need like a simulator, right? You you won't need the screen. You'll just need the Oculus in a club. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And you can tell it what club. Yeah. You know, even like my car, I have that new car I got. And it has um, Alexa, all right? In it? In it, in yeah. The Amazon in one, the Rivian? Yeah. yeah, in the Rivian. So yeah. I just say, like, Alexa, call mom, call mom, my mom, call mom. Yeah. And it's like, fucking calls for you. That's great. Or like, Alexa, and I read the address here. And then it just goes in the map and takes me there. Yeah. You know, and like, they didn't have that in cars five years ago. No, that was just know. a thought, you know? Like, working for Toyota, one of their biggest surprises was how much money it takes to store all of the information you know like you don't even think of such things like you're selling a car but like the cloud or whatever that's holding all the information to be able to tell the car what to do and the car will say like it's your anniversary in two weeks should we go ahead and order flowers like absolutely you know (laughs) you're fucking in traffic (laughs) so it's like or like you have a low air tire should i pull up the closest tire store. Right. Like, absolutely. I mean, it's like, it really changes the technology. Yeah. So like where, you know, the whole like digital world is now and web three is now like where it's going and no one knows, but it's, it's not going to go backwards. I mean, no. with artificial intelligence, you see what they're doing now where like you can like make a movie through your thoughts. Yeah. Like, you don't have to have a fucking camera, and you don't have to direct, and you could say, I want the star character to look like this, and then it's like, there he is. I want his accent to be like this. There it is. Yeah. There's so much AI. I have a lot of, like, <clears throat> AR, AI art apps, mm-hmm. and, like, I, I fool around with them all the time. I use it as, like, a mood board for the comic, so I'll be, like, evil werewolf horror fantasy theme and like, uh, you know, that way I can communicate with my artists better and like give them um, direction directions. off of your thoughts. hundred percent. And then it'll be where like you can draw, like it's like gonna like, so if you take AI and technology and the metaverse or all of that shit 
and you combine it all together, like where yeah. we're going is oh, yeah. fucking nuts. Yeah. I mean, I it's agree. just fucking nuts where it is. And like, we don't, no one even has a fucking clue of where it's going. But at the same time, like the internet started with a plug that you put into the wall and people <laughs> would have said you were fucking nuts. If you thought you could have Wi-Fi everywhere you go, that remembers the Wi-Fi. Like if I tap into your Wi-Fi here, I come back in a year, it's already in. Yeah. Yeah. Or like, do you or want to share your Wi-Fi and like all of this stuff? Like, share password. No one fucking knew that was going to happen, you know, but there's really smart people in the world that are super, super, super invested into the future of digital and Web3 and AI and all this stuff. And as they all combine together, it's like gaming. Just think of the gaming industry over the last couple of years. And like yeah. now you're going to be able to play sports. Right through like yeah. AI and meta and this, that, and the other with cash prizes. And, you know, we're doing a little bit of it with Buckets Club and technology of Top Golf, but like, who knows what the fuck we're going to be doing in 10 years. No, but it's really exciting to see. And like, you guys are pioneering it, especially from like a brand level and, you know, especially implementing all those real life experiences and all that. It's, it's really exciting to see. Yeah, man. Fun stuff. Steven, thanks for coming on, man. That's uh, your story is awesome. Your your brand is awesome, and uh, it was it was a pleasure. It was my pleasure. Thank yeah, you for having me. Appreciate you coming in. Yes, sir. Yeah, we'll do a follow up in ten years and see where this whole fucking <laughs> thing's going. The, It'll the, be digitally. We'll be playing golf. We'll, yeah. be, <laughs> we'll be golfing in Madison Club from our garages and snowboarding after. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to Studio 22. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.